0: welcome to the places where we go podcast hello i'm julie
1: and i'm art we're the hosts of the places where we go podcast join us as we share our travel stories we'll tell you about where we've been what we saw and what we did we're always looking for a bit of an adventure
0: sometimes we travel far sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard wherever we go We'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures.
1: This is the Places Where We Go podcast. We're back for another episode of the Places Where We Go podcast. And today we're going to continue talking about things that you can do when you visit Bryce Canyon National Park. So we shared a couple of places last time and we've got a couple of more this time as well. And one of the things I was just thinking about is one of the unique things about Bryce Canyon, when I think about other national parks that we've been to, is there's so many others that we've driven to and you drive hours and hours and hours to get there. And once you're there, basically what you have to do is the national park, which is not a bad thing because You're going for the national park, but I think about we've gone to Sequoia. We've gone to maybe even like Joshua Tree, Death Valley, those types of places. The destination is the national park versus when you're in Bryce. We were at a campground just, what, 10, 15 minutes away from Mm -hmm. the park entrance. You go one way, you're in the park, but you drive a little more within a 10, 15 minute radius, you can be in a small town looking at their history museum, you could be at the Mossy Cave, or you go the other direction and you can get to what we're going to talk about today, which is Kodachrome State Park and the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. Mm -hmm. Lots of options when you're in Bryce Canyon National Park beyond the park itself. So I think first and foremost, if you're planning a trip to Bryce Canyon National Park, think about extending your visit by a few days to soak up some of this other stuff that's in the neighborhood because there's other things to see and do. And that's pretty much exactly what we thought that we would do when we planned our trip is we thought, we looked at the map and said, hey, we're gonna be here anyways. And I think we we heard about at least one of these places somewhere or, or another. So we crafted an itinerary to give us a little bit of time to sample both of these places. Yeah, if
0: you go on and you're on a search for Bryce Canyon, go to different podcasts and different YouTubers and different places that will expand their view a little bit about not only Bryce, but what is around it, like our podcast is doing. Like the
1: places where we go. So yeah, hopefully this is providing some value in helping you plan your trip to the Bryce Canyon area. So Kodachrome Basin State Park, Julie, let's talk about what what this place is all about.
0: Well as you said, it is a state park in the southern part of Utah. Nearby is Bryce Canyon National Park. This particular state park is in a little town around Henryville. I love the names of some of these towns in this area. Yeah,
1: and we drove through Henryville proper, which was a really, really small place. Very small. Yeah. When I pulled up Kodachrome on the internet, its official address, at least when I looked, is listed as Henryville. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So it is open to the public as a state park. It opened in 1963.
1: A very good year, I must say. (laughs) My (laughs) One, one of my favorite years, Julie.
0: Yes it was a good year it was a good year for me too Mm -hmm. there are many features at this state park that are different from bryce canyon itself which is remarkable to me uh we will be talking about another park right after this but each of these places that we're talking about have different geological looks to them which was one of the most fascinating things to me because they're so close together super
1: close yeah
0: so At Kodachrome State Park, there are 67 monolithic stone spires. We knew those were there because we had read about them prior to that. So we went in looking for them. You cannot miss them.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you drive through, you're going to see several just from the drive itself. Yeah, from
0: the road you're driving on. You just can't miss them. And they just accentuate the... Very colorful, multi-hued stone and walls and and everything that's there is so colorful Mm -hmm. and has different hues to it, which is another thing that is... It was more dramatic here at Kodachrome State Park. So these spires look like gigantic chimney stacks, and they rise from the floor of the valley from the sandstone rocks. Mm -hmm. So it's just amazing when you think about how these could possibly have been formed and these have through studies they believe that it took 180 million years of geological time to form these spheres. so that's incredible
1: in itself old stuff Yeah, so one of the things you're going to see in the park are the stone spires. And I imagine that if you were so inclined, you can make an adventure out of trying to find and see as many of these as you can. They're scattered throughout the park. We saw a few.
0: There's so much more, though. Yeah,
1: and there is more to do in the park. So number one for us was going to be hiking. And we'll talk about a few of the hikes that we took. The park has over 12 miles of trails. There's also horseback riding on guided horseback rides that you can arrange in the park. If you're a mountain biker, you're going to find opportunities to whiz through the park on your mountain bike.
0: And we know that exists even though we did not see any mountain bikers. We did see a lot of the tracks and trails yeah. that they left.
1: And then camping. There's actually three campgrounds in the park outfitted with the restrooms. I think when I looked the other day... There's two of them that I know would have been too small for us and the trailer that we have. So I think if you have a trailer on the smaller side, you're going to be good to go. There's some tent sites, but I believe one of the campgrounds, if you have um, a rig that, you know, so ours is a 27 footer, and I think we would be able to maybe get into one of the three. So you really have to look at the dimensions that are available Mm -hmm. at the, the sites here. And then one more thing you can do in the park, photography.
0: Oh, an absolute must.
1: And with photography, let's segue into how this park got its name.
0: So Kodachrome Basin is not named after Paul Simon's song, unfortunately. I'm not going to sing it. Because I really do like that song. But it does have an unusual name. So which came first, the name of the park or the name of the Kodak brand of film called Kodachrome? I remember that too.
1: Uh I do too.
0: So in 1948, the National Geographic Society and the Explorers Club of New York organized an expedition there. Their mission was to explore one of the least known wild areas in the United States. This last frontier in Utah was known at that time as Escalante Land. The explorers were surprised when they got there by the completely dramatic landscape that they discovered, and they renamed it Kodachrome Flat because of these astonishing formations that we described earlier. And all the colors. The colors just were amazing. And then in the 1960s, the area was set aside as a state reserve. At that point, it was officially changed. The name was officially changed with consent from the Kodak Film Company to Kodachrome Basin. And that reflects the unique geology and the vibrant colors that uh, are found there.
1: I bet it was kind of like free marketing for the Kodak company. Oh, at I'm the time, sure they right? loved it. Yeah, yeah. So that's a little bit about why Kodachrome is called Kodachrome. So let's talk about getting there. So. It is 22 miles away from Bryce Canyon National Park, or about a half-hour drive, so super accessible if you're at Bryce Canyon. We were staying in the town of Cannonville, so I think for us the drive was just under 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And as we were driving from Cannonville toward where we knew the entrance would be for Kodachrome Basin State Park. I remember the road was going and going and it was going straight and then all of a sudden, if we were gonna continue to go straight, the road turned to dirt and you could make a left turn to go another way and there were some cars ahead of us I remember they were stopped and they were having a debate amongst themselves. They were having a conversation. I think they knew each other. And which way to go. And
0: one one of the cars was a, it was an SUV and then there was this Jaguar.
1: Yeah, probably not the best car to take on. And they were
0: arguing about whether it was a good idea to take that Jag down that dirt road. Yeah.
1: And I imagine that if you go down some of the dirt roads, those are going to be some of the ways where you could probably see more of the spires that are scattered throughout the park, but we took a left.
0: And there is a sign there that does say Kodachrome State Park.
1: So we hung the left, we got to one of those gates where they welcome you to the state park and the entrance fee to get in was $10. So Mm -hmm. we paid the $10 and that was gonna suffice for as much adventuring as we wanted to do for the day. And off we went. So the first thing that we had on our list of things to do was a couple of hikes. Normally, we would do things a little bit differently than we did. So, I think normally when we go to, well, I guess this isn't always true, but more often than not, I think we usually hit a visitor center kind of early on just to get some information about what's going on.
0: First, before we take off, yeah. And with
1: this park, I think we arrived probably around the noon ish hour. So, just wanting to be sure that we got our hikes in. We went to do that first, and then thought, okay, if there's time afterwards, we'll stop in the visitor center. Right. So I still think it's a good thing if you arrange everything right, go to a visitor center first, because you never know what they might tell you to watch out for at the time of your visit. Trails that may be that may have issues, may have problems. So it's always good to get that guidance from the rangers at the parks, be they national or state, as in this case. We had the prior day gone on a super long hike in Bryce Canyon on the Fairyland Loop and we talked about that a couple of podcasts ago. So I think we were um, kind of feeling it a bit. So we decided at Kodachrome we were going to take a few shorter hikes and we selected two trails. One was called the Grand Parade Trail and another one was called Angel's Palace Trail. You've got Lots of options for hikes. So if you want something short, you'll find that. If you want something longer, you're going to find that. And difficulty levels from super easy to probably at least moderate, if not a little bit more um, difficult than that. Lots of options for you.
0: The first hiking trail that we had chosen is called the Grand Parade Trail. We had mentioned that Art had mentioned. It was an easy, very flat one and a half mile walk along the floor of the basin it passed through a couple of canyons Mm -hmm. the they call them box canyons and we were just looking at the terrain and the colors and uh, some of the canyon walls and The dry, there was some kind of dry stream through there. And the floor of it was quite dusty because all the sediment from, I guess, rain and weather had brought all the sediment off of this rock onto the floor of the canyon. And it was very dusty, fine, fine particles of dust. And it was red.
1: The color and the texture of what we were walking on, it reminded me more of like if somebody took... A 1,000 truckloads that were filled with uh, that powder that makes Nestle's chocolate milk.
0: Yeah, kind of a red
1: it was kind cocoa of
0: like, color. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of
1: that kind of consistency yeah. almost. It was yeah. uh, kind of soft to walk on and, like you said, real yeah. kind of dusty, Very totally dusty. different than what we saw at Bryce Canyon. I
0: think that's why the mountain bikers like it Yeah, because you can probably get a really good ride out of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this hike was... I think a hundred percent level. I mean, pretty much. It this was very flat. One, yeah. yeah, it
0: was very flat. It was just on the floor of the basin. Just yeah. we just walked around. It curved around a couple of canyons and a very short hike, but very pleasant.
1: Yeah. So I think you could spend anywhere from what thirty minutes to a little bit more than that easy trail that anybody could do. Yeah,
0: and it had some beautiful plant life.
1: A couple of places we saw these trees that were it looked like 75% of the roots were hanging outside of the cliff and the tree was hanging on oh, yeah, for dear right. life to some of these cliffs and um still surviving but in a difficult kind of way. So yeah.
0: Very easy to hike. The trail markers were clear.
1: Totally clear.
0: Knew exactly where to go. No problems Yeah. Then.
1: So with that, I thought, OK, this is going to be great because the, um, in, in fact, I think on the Grand Parade Trail was one of the most clearly marked hiking trails I think we've ever been on. There was mm-hmm. markers everywhere. Mm-hmm. As you, you walked a little more, another one would tell you which way to go. So I thought, hey, if everything is going to be like this, this is going to be great. So. Ah, but we went on to our next hike. We did. <laughs> And And it
0: wasn't quite as clear. It was a bit
1: different. Yeah. So the next hike was a trail called the Angels Palace Trail. And this was just about a two minute drive, I guess, if that, to get to the next parking lot from the first trail. So very close. And as we drove into the park, we were given a complimentary guide that described what the available hikes were, how long they were, et cetera, et cetera. And I believe it said that this one also was 1.5 miles in length. It was described as an excellent trail for photographers. So it it sounded somewhat enticing. So we went on it and almost immediately we started to face, I would say, kind of like a moderate uphill. So where the prior hike was flat, now you have to exert yourself a little bit. And I could see for some people, it could be a little bit more of a challenge if you're not used to being outdoors and doing some uphill climbing. It wasn't like... Yeah,
0: except for the incredibly wonderful gentleman we met up in the uh, top of the trail. Yeah. He was amazing, but we'll talk about him in a minute. Yeah.
1: We're making our way to the top of this overlook, and along the way, there is just so much visually to see, amazing rocks, amazing hills in the background. You get to the top of this overlook, and then you've got these amazing views in multiple directions. And I think as we made our way toward the top, it was pretty clear where to go. And then I remember once we got to this top plateau, in terms of what it looked like, it just... And I've never been to another planet, but it reminded me, <laughs> okay, if I was on Mars or someplace like that, it's what I imagine the landscape there might be right. like. I guess when I've seen like photos of the men who were able to walk on yeah. the moon, that kind of a thing. And um, I think we got some photos of some of the panoramas. Yeah. And then we were trying to figure out now, which way do we go? Because right, now, And we were warned
0: we at very soon after entering into this trailhead other hikers were coming down and warned us that the markers on this trail were not very good yeah
1: now this was supposed to be a loop Mm -hmm. so we figured if we just kept going in what seemed to be the right direction we would ultimately loop around and we did see trail markers up on the top but many of them were fallen over pointing in the wrong Wrong directions places where there should have been trail markers, there were no trail markers. And at some point for the life of us, we couldn't figure out how do you make this trail into a loop because we didn't see where
0: it could could
1: loop. And it turned out, you were talking about the the, uh, gentleman up on top, we were not the only ones who all of a sudden became confused.
0: Yes, because we ran into him while we were up at the top trying to figure out which direction to go in And he was up there doing the same thing. (laughs) So we kind of built a little bit of a friendship Mm -hmm. on our hike and um, followed each other a little bit, trying to get the right direction on which way to go.
1: So we eventually, since we couldn't figure out the loop part of this, we just backtracked and um, kind of concluded the hike that way. But very scenic. I know we have a few photos from this hike up on the blog. So real nice different change of scenery from what you see in Bryce. You're not going to see the hoodoos and the walls here, but you're going to see completely unique things including some of the spires. So I think it's uh it's a nice addition to Bryce Canyon National Park.
0: Well, I have a fun fact for you. What do you got? That will explain why it kind of have that other world kind of look to it. So the soil there it's it's very dark and there's areas that are very dark and they're bumpy and it just looks really, really different. And in fact, it's more than just dirt up there. It is soil that is actually alive. It's made up of cyanobacteria, green algae, lichens, mosses, micro fungi, and bacteria. This community of organisms absorbs the water, it prevents erosion by the wind in the water, and it provides nitrogen and helps seed the area, it helps it find a place for these seeds to actually germinate and grow. So, extremely fascinating because I love science.
1: Sounds kind of sci-fi. With and it this. makes
0: it look kind of like other world, like you're mm-hmm. somewhere else on Mars or Venus or whatever you want to you want to look at. And because this soil is so special, and it, it really is, it really is important that you do stay on the trails there
1: yeah we saw some signage that said don't bust the crust Mm -hmm. so they're very concerned about not walking all over this because it's it's while it looks like dirt there's a whole lot more going on besides just the dirt
0: yeah so as you're walking on it you're actually crushing these little microorganisms and you damage the ability of this area to absorb the water And withstand the wind and it causes too much erosion. So, and it takes forever. It takes decades Mm -hmm, for it to recover. mm -hmm. So it's really important that you pay attention to what's under your feet and stay on the trail. Yep.
1: So you had an interesting fact. I have a sad fact. And I think it's our first sad fact that I think we've ever talked about. Yes, it is one of the features that has been a landmark at kodachrome basin state park is what has been called the shakespeare arch and i just learned recently that this famous shakespeare arch actually collapsed in april of the prior year Mm -hmm. so the trail to get there is still open but where the famous arch used to be is now just a pile of rubble that's very sad. so which brings me to, I think, another point is, you know, when you think about these national parks and you you know, see some of these famous features and photos and videos, make a point to get out and see these places. Because even though in a lot of these places you've got features that have maybe, like you said, like the spires, have taken 180 million years to form, uh-huh. you don't always, you can't be guaranteed that everything is going to be there tomorrow. Right, right. So um, I urge everybody to see as many of the national parks as you can state parks as well like this one because there's uh just phenomenal things to see
0: so a few tips that we have for you when you're visiting kodachrome basin is plan on about a half a day minimum Mm -hmm. we did go on two small hikes and You do tend to linger around a little bit on these hikes, because there's so much to see. And as you're taking photographs, that's a little more time you want to put into it. So don't jip yourself by thinking that, oh, it's such a small hike, this will take us no time at all, and get there too late to actually enjoy these hikes. Mm -hmm. Stop at the visitor center. We did do that on our way out. It's a very small visitor center. It has um, some gifts. It has a few books. It has postcards. It has some items to eat in a little section of it if you are hungry or um you know, some drinks, stuff like that. But it's very small, but it's nice. It's yeah. a nice little visitor center. There was two young girls there when, when we came in, and they were very helpful. And uh, well, Most
1: importantly, yeah. they're staffed by the people who know what's going on in the park. So right, right. always great to talk to the folks who know uh, what the current conditions are like and can help you with your trip.
0: Identify the hikes that um, are best for you. So you tend to do that um, when we go out, Mm -hmm. and is there any particular way to look for identifying these hikes, or is it just pretty easy to do?
1: Yeah, just go to the Kodachrome State Park website, and I believe the main hiking trails are all listed there. There's also some sites that I'll look at, like All Trails is one, where the community of hikers speaks about their experiences on various hikes. So. Some of those I think you have to subscribe to, some are free, but when you're, you know, planning a trip like this, it's probably good to get a sense of just making sure that the hikes that you select are going to work for you. So as you know your own fitness level, how long you feel comfortable being out, you know, you do some reading and then you can just make sure that once you get to your destination, you get on the right trail to have a mm-hmm. nice experience.
0: And of course, bring your camera.
1: Can't go to Kodachrome without a photography apparatus.
0: Decide too if you're going to be thinking about doing video or if it's all still frames. Take lots of pictures because you in this day and age, you know, everything is digital. If it doesn't work for you, you can always delete the photo. Make sure your cameras and your photography apparatuses are charged. That's a really important thing to remember before you take off Mm -hmm. for these parks. One of the things that we had learned, uh, we did not get a chance to do this here, but Kodachrome State Park is an amazing place for stargazing. So if that's your thing, you might want to go when it's in the evening or camp there. Mm -hmm. would be even the the best thing to do. The remoteness of this park, it really presents an opportunity to get some of the darkest skies you can think of. I'm just from what we understand they're they're extremely dark and it's high altitude and it's clear desert air doesn't have pollution and doesn't have that light bleeding from anywhere else so it's probably an amazing amazing sight to see
1: yeah maybe someday in the future when we know there's going to be meteor showers or something
0: that would be great
1: being in a place like this would be be spectacular so Mm -hmm. under the category of if if we had more time because we only did spend a half a day at this park I could see coming back here, there's more trails to hike than we had the opportunity to hike. I could even see spending time at one of the campgrounds and uh, doing some of that stargazing. So if you have a half a day or multiple days, Kodachrome Basin State Park nearby Bryce Canyon is a place to consider adding to your itinerary. So
0: we're going to move on to the next area that we did not hike in, but it was absolutely gorgeous to drive through. And that's the Grand Staircase Escalante.
1: National Monument. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So why don't you tell them about our experience there?
1: This was a place that i've heard about over the just the recent years so had some vague familiarity with the fact that the place existed and again when we were planning our time to get to bryce and zion national park just knowing that the national monument was in driving proximity to our campground we thought hey let's take part of a day and do some exploration. I think ideally we wanted to explore and maybe see one of the slot canyons because we saw some amazing photographs, I think on Mm -hmm. some postcards Mm -hmm. at the campground that we were staying at, but had learned that I think in order for us to do that, we would have probably had to devote more time than we had available to us. So if you wanna see the slot canyons, I would say do your homework in advance to know exactly how to get there, how much time to devote to that kind of experience but you can also just do what we did which is you know spend a few hours in your car and drive through this massive landscape which is known as this uh, the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument
0: We first started out we were thinking let's go to the visitor center in Canyonville that which is where we were staying So we took a walk over there. Unfortunately, this visitor center was closed due to this, the COVID. And we had learned that there were other visitor centers along this scenic byway 12 that we were going to take. But I
1: think they were in the other direction. They were in the other. Yeah. yeah, So
0: we just decided we're just going to take off. And so we got in our truck and we took off. Now, when you, if you decide to go, You want to go ahead and kind of check if these visitor centers are open before you make that drive to it because or walk to it. Because hopefully we'll be out of this phase that we're in now and things will open up and you can get the opportunity to visit.
1: Yeah. And if not, then again, this would be something that you might want to do some of that research on the website for the National Monument before your trip. You know, so what is this Grand Staircase? So this is a series of cliffs that form natural steps that rise 5,000 feet from the bottom to the top. So as you're driving down the road, you just see one of these magnificent hills and you see the layers of colors as you go from layer to layer to layer and you can kind of see that staircase analogy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the hills themselves. The land that encompasses the national monument is enormous it encompasses 1.9 million acres so it's not something that you're going to go to one place get out of your car do some exploration and say that you've visited the whole national monument because it's just too huge Mm -hmm. it's an area of great geological diversity it's got unparalleled natural beauty lots of recreational opportunities and uh for those who just like the discovery that you have in these natural environments you're going to have lots of opportunities there
0: as i said we drove our truck to go on this exploration Just to see part of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's so immense. It is about the size of Delaware. That's how big this monument is. If you have more time, you can explore this landscape more deeply by hiking in its terrains. Mm -hmm. There's many, many hiking trails you can take. Some of them are rated as very, very difficult. So you be very aware of where you're going and what you'll need. But with our schedule, we just didn't have time. So we decided we were just going to uh, take the road trip.
1: Yeah. And sometimes the road trips are nice. I even think about on the same vacation, the road trip that we took through Bryce Canyon National Park. I mean, we did, we immersed ourselves through a lot of hiking, but also just the day that we drove mm-hmm. from one end to another, that was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And it also reminds me a little bit about some time that we spent in Joshua Tree National Park. Similarly there, you know, we, we spent quite a bit of time hiking, you know, lots of trails. But there was one day when we drove from the north part of the park to the south part of the mm-hmm. park. And just to be able to see... You're not going to ever be able to do this by walking. You got to see it in your car, just the way that yeah, the landscape right. changes as mm-hmm. the miles go on and mm-hmm. on. So because this place is so immense, uh, a road trip is, I think it's a, it's a good way just to get a visual sense of what's in this place.
0: The highway we took is the scenic Highway 12 that I mentioned, and it is a very long road and it certainly has incredible views along the way. This highway is 122 miles long. If you're um, in the RV world, it's very RV friendly. Yeah. So we had pulled our trailer, which is you had mentioned was 27 foot Airstream, without any difficulty whatsoever.
1: Mm-hmm. Although using that diesel brake occasionally did come in yeah. handy. So yeah. if you have a diesel truck, that's a super nice feature to have on some of the hills.
0: There are lots of turnoffs. On this scenic byway or highway, they call it, that you can go and explore if you choose to. Mm-hmm. There's immense amount of areas to view. We had stopped at one point and there was a signage there and there was these two view pipes. I don't know what you call kind them. like
1: viewing. They're like yeah. this viewing scopes. Viewing kinda. scopes, yeah. yeah. It, it,
0: it, so we stopped there and had no idea what we were looking at but there was a cliff wall right in front of us
1: across the road across was, the highway yeah.
0: and the pipes were pointed towards the cliff so i just looked in it after reading the signage it said that there was a very ancient granary up in the cliffside mm-hmm. And these view pipes were pointed right to it. So all you had to do was look and your eye went directly to wherever this granary was. And that, that was pretty amazing because it was very, very high up. Mm-hmm. It made me wonder how it looked back then. And if you really, literally, they scaled these cliffs in order to get their food up into the granary yeah. to keep the animals away from yeah. it. I
1: think if you, if you were just driving down this road, you would totally miss that there was this feature on the hillside. So again, you're taking these turnoffs, reading the signs can enlighten you about some of the some of the features mm-hmm. that were used by ancient inhabitants in mm-hmm. the area. Mm-hmm. So I think this granary was used by Pueblos, is I think what the signage said.
0: Yeah, it's but there's many other tribes in that area. Yeah, too.
1: and I think we had read about that among the other inhabitants that were known in this land were the Fremont, the Anasazi, Hopi Paiute and the Navajo, but you know, many people's different, you know, tribes who have inhabited the area probably over centuries and centuries and some of their life you can still experience through like the stop that you just mentioned Mm -hmm. that you can see along the way.
0: So we kept driving and we got to a little town. It was actually the town of Escalante. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was at that point we kind of stopped and we got some gas, I think, even there was a little gas station there. It's a very small little town. And if you like small towns, though, it was it was very quaint, very nice. Not a lot was open. Again, we were dealing with some of the issues of the day and we decided at that point we were just going to turn around. It was a good stopping point to turn around and come back. We had been driving for a while. This highway is just way too long to take the whole thing Mm -hmm. in the time that we had allotted. So we just, we turned around and went back in the direction we came from, saw from a a different viewpoint going the other way. And there is things you miss. I mean, it was kind of interesting. I never took my eyes off the scenery. Mm -hmm. Either way, because there's so much to see that you're riveted to it. You just don't want to take your eyes off of it. So they call this the Great American Landscape. This is a national monument, and it's part of the Bureau of Land Management's National Landscape Conservation System. The Bureau uh, protects some of the nation's most remarkable landscapes, thank goodness. Visiting this monument is easy. If you travel to Bryce Canyon, it's a very easy drive to get to. It's pretty short. We What did we say, like 15, 20 minutes to get to...
1: To get to like where this area the, begins. It begins. But yeah. again, you're talking about a place that's the size of Delaware. So yeah. you can spend a long time exploring this yeah. area.
0: Well, we, yeah, from Canyonville, where we took off, it mm-hmm. took us about 15 minutes. Something like that. To start to get into that monument area. Yeah. And we weren't quite sure when it started either. We There was nothing that really indicated that you were in it.
1: It might be the case that Cannonville itself, I think, sits in what's officially the Grand Staircase Escalante area. Yeah. 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 We spent some time just trying to get some sense of this by driving in our car. For us, the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument was not a main part of our itinerary on this vacation, but we wanted just to get a sense. And glad we mm-hmm. took a few hours one morning to drive at least to the town of Escalante. Now, if we had more time and you know things that you might consider doing if you're going to visit the area, a few things come to mind. One is there are some pretty spectacular slot canyons where I still remember the the photos that we saw, yeah. and they're just absolutely amazing. I, I'd love to go back mm-hmm. and spend time exploring those, but I think then you've got to make probably a more dedicated itinerary to immerse yourself more mm-hmm. in this area. Mm-hmm. There's hiking options, so lots of different trails that are available to tourists i know i had on my list of you know possible places to see there's a petrified forest nature trail there's the phipps arch trail another famous arch trail so lots to do in that area and then something else that's available you think about this land that has taken you know these hundreds of millions of years to form fossil hunting so Mm -hmm. that's another thing that can be done here fossil
0: hunting in the sense of you're looking hmm. for fossils but they are not for the taking
1: yes good point so fossil viewing yes i i think would be a more appropriate way Mm -hmm. to talk about it So in this area, they have found dinosaur fossils that have been dated back to over 75 million years ago in the National Monument itself. And there's apparently been, since the year 2000, some notable finds with some more. There's just been a greater amount of archaeological exploration that has picked up in this area. And in fact, the last podcast that we had when we talked about stopping in that museum mm-hmm. in the city mm-hmm. of Tropic, they had a number of fossils that right. were found in this general area. Right. Their specimens, there was a few that we saw that were 80 million years old mm-hmm. and a variety of dinosaur bones, turtles and plants, etc. Mm-hmm. so if you're interested in that kind of a thing, there is the opportunity for, you know, looking for some of that, viewing it. I think Humans
0: also occupied this area, and there's remains of human activity, too, mm-hmm. in terms of petroglyphs. So those are pretty exciting. When you come upon those for picture taking. It's something that the uh, state parks and the the people that conserve this area graciously allow people to come in and view and look at, but it's really important that you leave things as you find them.
1: Yeah, so I think that's one of the the themes of this whole area, all the way from Kodachrome to the Grand Staircase Monument, be it the the special soil, the petroglyphs, the fossils, just be a good steward of the land when you visit these places. So those were two additional things that you can consider doing as an extension of a visit to Bryce Canyon National Park. Somewhere along our visit, somebody had told us about yet another place. Well, this
0: would be the places that you don't go.
1: Yes. So we're going to give you one of those.
0: Which is kind of new for our podcast.
1: Yeah. So somebody told us about this ghost town that was... I don't know, 10, 15 minutes away, supposedly. Yeah. In the now, other I'm,
0: th- I'm very into ghost towns and Oh, no, I, I love, love ghost stuff towns like that, too. So. Yeah.
1: So somebody said ghost town. It got our attention. It was another thing that was supposedly was close to Bryce Canyon National Park. So we had chunked out part of an afternoon to get in the truck mm-hmm. and go find this ghost town and check it out. Mm-hmm. And so this was the Whitstow ghost town. So it's W I D S T O E. And we went off. In the direction of Whitso, and we're on this road, and it was kind of just Seemed us. Like for a
0: very long time. Yeah,
1: kind of this very straight road, maybe passed by Lots one of or... ranch
0: area. You know, two other cars. Yeah.
1: And we're driving, 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 looking for the ghost town, not seeing anything. Eventually, we came up to a sign that said the Whitstow Cemetery.
0: Cemetery. So I we, got excited from yeah. that. I was like, oh, cool.
1: So we pulled there thinking, okay, this might be where the ghost town is at. There was a cemetery there. there was was lots of
0: plastic fake flowers on almost every grave. It was kind of odd.
1: But no ghost town there. So we pulled back out on the main road and drove some more and then came to what apparently was this little town of Whitstow, turned in, and I I think it was a dirt road. It was a dirt road. road,
0: And we kept thinking as we were driving in that we would possibly run into some area That would be just the old relics of a town. Mm -hmm. We never got there. I mean, we just drove and drove and drove. And and the road wasn't horrible, but it wasn't the best road to drive in. And we were in a truck, so we were fine. Yeah,
1: but we're still going kind of on the slow side. Yeah. Basically, we saw maybe, what, one or two old dilapidated buildings? Yeah, and
0: I don't know how old they were. I mean, they could just be ones that were just left in disrepair. Yeah. But.
1: but there were a number of, you could tell people who were inhabiting this area. And, and I guess when I think about... It was
0: kind of being re-inhabited.
1: When you think about the kind of people that are probably inclined to get themselves off the grid and just kind of set right. up their life in the boondocks, that's what you had here. So it wasn't a ghost town in terms of...
0: It wasn't a ghost town at all. No.
1: There you go. So And, and that was confirmed when I went... After the trip on TripAdvisor, some other people said the same thing, that they were told there was a ghost town and the short story is ain't nothing here to see. So if you're planning a trip and if somebody tells you, hey, go check out the ghost town, our recommendation would be scratch that off your list and devote more time to the national park, the state park or the national monument. And that, I think, pretty much uh, wraps things up. So we've spent a few episodes talking about Bryce Canyon, things you can do around Bryce Canyon. I think if you listen to the first in the series, we talk about the lodging that Mm -hmm. we selected, Mm -hmm. which was the KOA Cannonville. So that's a great option, especially if you're in an RV type rig. And when we get together next time, we're going to continue exploring Utah, but we're going to get ourselves out of Bryce and we're going to go visit Zion National mm-hmm. Park. Gorgeous. Yeah.
0: So we're going to sign off for now and we'll hope to see you very, very soon at the places where we go. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com
1: You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at theplaceswherewego.
0: Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go.
1: See you next time. Bye
0: now.